Well, blessings to each of us again this afternoon. God's grace is, just seems like it's manifesting itself in the beautiful weather and the beautiful day that's around us. And so that's a joy. But here we are again for just a little while. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Pete, for those words of confirmation and encouragement in this race that is set before us. You know, I think about running a race as I get older. <clears throat> Learning how to pass the baton just gets more and more important all the time. Some of us that are getting older aren't always running. And, and, and those who are coming from behind, uh, they need to, you know, carry the, carry the message on. And we want to have prepared hearts to do that. I think about the words of Elias, you know, that was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. If you read that requotation in, in Luke chapter 1, it says... That he, make, that he might make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's our children. That's a direct reference to our children. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so I, I was just trying to think. I, I wished I had a children's lesson here. I don't really have one. But I thought I, I just want to make sure these children you know, are, are included. As we gather in the name of the Lord. I thought we could at least sing a song for them. And I was just thinking about a children's song, and I like, I like the song, Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. I, I, I would say this to the children that are here. I think there's only one commandment in the Bible directly addressed to the children. And it's obey your father and mother in the Lord. Honor thy father and mother, be right with it, but it's, it's obedience. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we sing that song together? Let's just all sing it, and uh, children sing out. <clears throat> I trust we all know that song. Okay. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Doing exactly as the Lord commands. Doing it happily. Action is the key to obediency. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Might have had a little different tune there, but obedience is a beautiful thing. It makes me think of the story of the mother who was working that day and she painted the railing on her back porch. And she was some jealous over that paint job that she had done and her son was just coming home from work. And he was walking towards the railing and she hollers out uh, in jealousy over her labors and says, Don't come in the back door. I just painted the railing. And her son hollers out and says, I hear you, Mom. I'll be careful. And he kept coming toward the back door. And she hollers out again, Don't come in the back door. I just painted the railing and I, I want it to be good. And uh, he hollers back very cheerfully, I hear you, Mom, I'll be careful. And she hollers out, I don't want carefulness, I want obedience. 
Can't you just hear sometimes God just hollering down from heaven, you know, I don't want theology. I want obedience or whatever it is that might stand in the way. I think obedience is the very best way to show that we believe. May we be faithful in that. God bless the children that are here. May great grace be upon each one. Today, for just a little while, may have a short service here. And again, this is going to be a very gentle message. It's going to be right with what we brought Wednesday evening. You remember that there's some things that need to hit hard. That's just the only way they get through. But there's other things that need to land gentle or they'll never get through. And so we have a very gentle message, I believe, from the heart of God. Just for this afternoon, the word that's on our heart we've been thinking about is compassion. We're still desiring that we would be faithful in taking these relationship builders and putting them into practice in whatever capacity they need to show up. There is a divine message. There's the message of salvation. There's the message of direction as we pass the baton to our children that we'll never, we'll never have an opportunity to really hit home in the hearts of our children unless it lands gentle, unless we have their hearts, unless we have spent time and built that relationship and gone through the locks to get on their level and connected and in spirit and in emotion and in heart and and then to just present the truths of God's Word and the practical applications of holiness and separation from this world. We want to make that connection. And compassion is a relationship builder. I want to talk for just a little while today about godly, genuine, scriptural compassion. It's a powerful thing. It's tender. It's sensitive. Now what does sensitive mean? It means you catch on real quick. Sometimes even before something's said, your senses. And God wants that kind of person. There's a place in Scripture, I believe, where we're instructed to have our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We're alert for that thing. We're looking for it. Compassion is merciful. It's forgiving. And it's very, very loving. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is so full of compassion. He is not so full of compassion that He has no judgment. He's not so full of compassion that He has no discernment or that He has no discipline for discipleship. He is not so full of compassion that He can't take a stand Many people today confuse compassion and mercy and long-suffering with not doing anything about some issue or some situation that is at hand, just letting it go. That is not compassion. We're going to see that as we look into the heart of God here for a little while today. Jesus Christ is full of compassion, tender 
sensitive, merciful, forgiving, loving, compassion. And I want to challenge us today. Jesus Christ is full of compassion. Are you? Do you have it? Are you known by it? Do people connect you with Christ because you have it? This is the challenge. This is where the Word of God gets practical. We just bring it right into our own heart and and hold up our life next to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and just see how it compares. Am I known for having compassion upon others? We are commanded to have it as followers of God, as dear children, having compassion one for another, to be full of compassion. I want to give a little definition here of what compassion is. We need to know what it is that God is so full of and that we have been commanded also to have. Certainly, compassion is love. We would probably all give that as part of the definition. And love is the foundation upon which compassion is built, but it is more than love. Compassion is also pity. Seeing someone's need, kindness towards someone's situation, but it's more than that. It's love, it's pity. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says this, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. That courteous there is kind of an interesting little... Uh, Commandment, isn't it? You know what the root word of courteous is? It's to court. You've got a lot of young couples here courting and and just married. Be courteous. Treat each other like you're courting. That's what that means. And there's some compassion in that thing, is there not? But it's also a deep inner yearning to help. You don't just love someone, you see their situation, and it's not only a willingness to help, it's a yearning to help. There's some passion inside of you that wants to help. That's the passion part of compassion. You you have a deep inner yearning that you would like to help. And this is why people who confuse compassion and mercy with not doing anything about a situation, just letting it go, That's not compassion. Compassion sees the need and and is sensitive and looks for an opportunity. Isn't overwhelming, but is ready to help at the first opportunity. That's the passion part of compassion. A deep inner yearning to help. This is how we are commanded to relate to each other and to the lost. And this is definitely how God related to us. Is it not? There are also other words in Scripture that are very similar to compassion. One of them is loving kindness. Another one is tender mercies. You know, sometimes it's interesting. These words are are the same word as compassion. Sometimes they're just a little bit different. But even if they are a little bit different, they all send you in the same direction as far as how we relate to each other. 
Colossians chapter 3 says this in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God. So here's an admonition to us. Holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Bowels of mercies. <laughs> There's that inner passion. That's, that's about the, as deep as inner feelings go. Bowels of mercies. Kindness and love and forgiveness and service. It's how we are commanded to relate to each other. And so I just want to challenge you, do we do that? Is Zion Christian Fellowship known for its compassion one to another? Are there people who are drawn to this fellowship because they crave that compassion? And I, I do have liberty to, sh to share this. I shared this with someone here earlier. We had a, just a dear sister in, in our uh, congregation, and she was so compassionate. She did, everybody loved her because she loved everybody else. And, and just to be around her was just kind of an upper. And <clears throat> she was in town selling at a little stand there some bread, helping her mother make a living. And she was selling this bread, and, and there was this, long-haired fella, kind of a wild-looking guy, and he comes up, and uh, he wanted to buy some bread. She, she was very bright. Would you like to buy some bread to this fella? And yes, he'd like to have some bread. And so she just talked a little bit, and she just asked him, she said, are you having a good day? And uh, he said, no, no, he wasn't. It was a tough day. Oh, she said, I'm so sorry. And it was just so gentle with him, but it was just, if you do this, sister, it's just, that's just the way she is. And, and anyway, he bought his bread, and he went his way, and he came back the next day, and, and he asked her to marry him. <laughs> this long-haired fella. And, and I know what happened. This fella had never experienced such kindness and such concern over who he was, and, and he wanted it. He was hungry for it. And it's just a, I mean, it's kind of a, it's, it's real life story, but isn't it amazing the drawing that this can have on a, on a world that's never known it. And, and so we have a tremendous witness in our fellowship when we're known for these things. It's a drawing. It's the driving force of how God relates to us. And we see that in Psalm 103. Why don't we turn there and just go through Psalm 103. This is a beautiful psalm. I, I know we're all very familiar with this. <clears throat> I'll just, uh, I think I'll just read it and make some comments as I go. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. There in verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. That is one of the fruits of compassion, is forgiveness. You know, it's impossible to have compassion on someone and then just say, no, I won't forgive you. Compassion is anxious to forgive. It's sensitive. It, it, just, it looks forward to the opportunity to forgive. Have you ever gone to someone and just asked for forgiveness? You were feeling bad and there was a, 
something that was on your heart there that needed forgiveness, and you went to them in brokenness, feeling that you had wounded or offended, and, and with a bright countenance, they said, you're already forgiven. What a joy. Whoa. That's almost convicting. You know, they were just itching for the chance to forgive. This is what compassion will do. Verse 4. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. There's that compassion, that loving kindness and tender mercies. That's how God deals with us. But notice what it calls it. It calls it a crown. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. And it's a crown both in the heart of the one who gives it and in the heart of the one who receives it. This thing brings life into our relationships. It does. It brings life into our, our homes. It brings life into our walk with God. <clears throat> Verse 5 says, and it gives us an example here, of the strength and the life that this gives. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. I just think that's a beautiful picture of the strength that we receive when we administer compassion, loving kindness. And as I get older and farther down the road, I feel like I need that more all the time for our youth to be renewed like the eagles. <clears throat> it's a blessing. It brings life. It brings strength. So let's keep reading here. <clears throat> the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Well, here's this compassion just raising its, its head again in, in a gracious and a gentle way. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. There is no shortage of his mercy. Plenty for all of us. <clears throat> he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, hallelujah, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. And now that's something that I do. Sometimes I go outside at night or in the daytime and I look up on a clear night and just maybe tonight you could do that and maybe God would reveal the stars. You know, man shrinks back in the immensity of the bigness of space. It's, it's beyond our comprehension. But look, isn't this amazing? As the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. Is this not a call and an invitation to fear God? We need that. What a blessing that we have. But remember, whenever we're called to receive this mercy from God upon them that fear Him, we are called to pass that same thing on. And I marvel sometimes how easy and how quick we are to receive that from the Lord and, and worship God because of it and how slow we are 
to pass that thing on, you're going to need to walk the line here, brother, or you're going to, you know, we're just not going to be able to come together here. And so let's remember what we receive from God, He intends for us to pass on to each other. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Isn't, isn't that an amazing verse? I don't know if you've ever you know, studied that one. How far is the east from the west? How, how, how far is that? How do you graph that? You know, I was, I was taught in school that if you have a point here and you have a point over here, you can measure that distance and you can find out how far the east is from the west. But when you get to this point right here, you can still go east. <laughs> and when you get over there, you can still go west. And so I was taught in geometry, when you have a situation like that, you just got to take that out of there and just leave the arrow there. That's just the, way, that's just the only way to graph it. As far as the east is from the west, you know, here comes eternity. And there it goes that way. That's how far... God has removed our transgressions from us. How far have you removed your brother's transgressions from him? You know, we need to pass it on. And do you know why it says east and west instead of north and south? Anybody know? Because, you know, there is a northern point that's as far north as you can go. It's a point. It's the North Pole. If you keep going from the North Pole, you're going to start heading south again. And down here at the south, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a south pole. And if you get down there and keep going, you're headed back north. I mean, you have to put a point there. That's not how far he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. It's as far as the east is from the west. That far. It's just a marvelous, just little lesson that you get off of the mathematical graph there. May God, may God be praised. Like as a father pitieth his children. And that pitieth there, that's part of compassion. He sees the situation that we're in, and he wants to help. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For we know, he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. <clears throat> we're dust. You know, that, that, should, uh, that should stir our hearts some, even for our brother, he's dust too. And, and our wives and our children are dust too. God remembers that we are dust. Do you remember that your, your children are dust? Children, do you remember that your parents are dust too? They're going to make some mistakes. The Lord remembers that we are dust. <clears throat> That's a beautiful little picture. Now in that remembering that we're dust, we don't justify each other's weaknesses. That's not what God does in His compassion. He doesn't overlook or ignore our weaknesses. He doesn't just, you know, stay out of our lives because we've got problems. No, he, compassion, he, he enters in with solutions and love. He's for us. It, it's a beautiful picture. I love it. I need it. And when he moves in, he moves in with bowels of compassion. It's beautiful. <clears throat> as for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord 
is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. <laughs> There's that graph again. I mean, what are you going to do with that? Think, think about it. His mercy is, of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. I rejoice in that. You know what I do? And this sounds silly because the Lord remember. I remind the Lord of that. I like to quote that verse before the Lord when my heart is crying out. Oh God, you're the God that your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear you. And, and, and we try to fear the Lord. We reverence God in every way we know. But sometimes we just kind of cry out, Lord, help my unbelief. You know how it is. You know, we feel our weakness. But what a blessed promise. He knows that we're dust, but His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting on them that fear Him. How much mercy do we need? You know, I read a story one time, and it's, it's just a story, but I read it. It was about Napoleon and his army when he was, you know, out there conquering the world, and he had his army, and he had men in his army, and any man who ran away from his army was tired of it and, and defaulted, or whatever they call that, Death was the sentence. And there was this young man who was in Napoleon's army and he ran away and he got caught. And he was given mercy so that he could return to the army and give it another chance. But he ran away again. And somehow he got mercy and he was placed in the army the third time and he ran away again. And this young man <laughs> stood before Napoleon at the fourth time running away. And he stood before Napoleon and he said, I plead for mercy. And Napoleon looked at him and he said, you've been given mercy three times. You don't deserve any more mercy. And he didn't. You don't deserve any more mercy. And the boy's mother was there and she stood up and she said, but sir, if he deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. I plead for mercy. That's a beautiful picture. And the young man was given mercy. And I think he went back and was faithful. But the mercy of God upon our lives, we need mercy. We don't deserve it. But if we deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That much that we don't deserve. Can we pass it on to each other? Are we known for it? Not for letting things go, not for overlooking situations, but for coming alongside and entering in. Isn't that what God wants? I think it is. <clears throat> Our God is full of compassion. We read in all through the Psalms we've been reading here. I think we'll just stop there. But Psalm 78, 38 just says that he is full of mercy. And it's all through the Psalms. I'm just going to read a few here. You don't need to turn there. But in 86, verse 14, just says this. Oh God. Maybe I got the... But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 111, verse 4, says this. <clears throat> he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. 
The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. 112 verse 4. Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. And I also want to read Psalm 145 here. Verses 8 and 9 goes like this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. Think about the mercy, the compassion of our God. That is a relationship builder. That should draw us unto God. I hope that we don't have a picture of God, of a mean old God up there, you know, with a sword in his hand, and the minute you step out of line, I mean, you're going to get it. Big time. Some people see God that way. They're afraid of God. But, you know, it's just, it's interesting to me. <clears throat> well, 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 I'll get there in just a minute. I want to show you some verses that, that just seem to imply that God always pleads before He brings judgment. That's a, that's a marvelous character of God. I wonder if we have it. But there, are, there is a more complete picture of God. We need to see the whole picture. I want to read in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. It reads like this. And some of these you don't need to follow along. I can read them to you. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness and judgment. But if you notice these lists, mercy or compassion or loving kindness is listed first. God, God reaches out to man. And God wants us to know who He is. He wants us to know that He's not a God that doesn't give man a chance. He's a gracious God. I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness before judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God just loves to give us, you know, warning, understanding, power to do. He doesn't just say bear fruit. He gives us the provision so that it can be done. He is a good God. Do we deal that way with each other? You know, many times I see in the courts of the land around, I mean, it's like they want to quick bring judgment on this person before they repent because they want to nail them good. Yeah, it's just the exact opposite of the heart of God. <clears throat> I heard a brother share a scripture one time, and it really touched my heart. It stirred my spirit. He said that God always pleads for His people before He brings judgment. I'm going to read a verse here in Isaiah. It goes like this. The Lord standeth up to plead, and standeth to judge the people. That, that pleading comes first. It sounds like, it almost sounds like a courtroom. I mean, like, all the evidence is here, and the judge now rises, you know, to bring judgment. But before he rises to bring judgment, he rises to plead. And I think that's a beautiful picture. Can you imagine a, a, 
a session of court in, in law today, and here's this criminal, and all the evidence is here, and the evidence has been given, and the judge rises and gives this criminal opportunity to repent and say he's sorry and make things right before he gets his judgment. And if uh, the criminal repents and uh, makes things right, he sets him free. Can you imagine what would happen in the courts of the land today if a judge would do that? That's just a marvelous thing. That's what God does. The Lord standeth up to plead first and standeth to judge the people. And, and He does bring judgment. He's a righteous God when we don't repent, when we turn and walk away, when we seek our own way. But what a beautiful picture of our God. <clears throat> he always pleads first. That's why God loves an intercessor. You know, that'd be an interesting study is just to go through the Bible and see how God loves an intercessor. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just quick read here in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. I love this passage. It just, it just clearly shows the heart of God. The people of Israel had horribly sinned. If you read chapter 22, it talks about all the wickedness of the land and how God was going to bring judgment. And before he did, I'm just going to read the verse before. The people of the land have used oppression. They have exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and the needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. That's where they were at. But what did God do? And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I did not have to destroy it. But I found none. And there's a passage of scripture there. Uh, it's in Isaiah maybe. God looked down and it says he marveled that there was no intercessor. And sometimes I wonder, God looks down, he sees some of our fellowships, maybe sees our home, maybe sees a problem and a challenge over here. And, and this poor soul is just getting it. I mean, they have needs, but all they're getting is judgment. And God looks down and sometimes I think he marvels that there's no intercessor. Who's on their knees praying on behalf of this person? God looked down. He's ready to bring judgment. But he looks down for an intercessor and it says he marveled that there was no intercessor. And, and what happened here? God sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore, I poured out my indignation upon them. I've consumed them. Judgment did come. He's a holy God. But I just, you just have to stop here and you see the heart of God. He wanted an intercessor so that he didn't have to destroy it. That was not his heart. If we could bring this kind of capacity into our relationships. You know, I mentioned standing in the gap here. I'm from California out there where we do a lot of irrigating in the orchards. It's flat ground. We put levees, call them checks, you know, and the, the canals go everywhere. And we just let the water from the canal into each check. And, and we get the water to all the trees. And the water was some sandy out there. And so when you put up the levees around the orchards and you're irrigating, you kind of have to patrol the levees to, to make sure that, you know, they hold. Keep the water in there as the water comes rushing in. And <clears throat> Twyla, when she was a girl, probably about 10 one night, she was out irrigating with her father. And, uh, and they were kind of watching the levees. They turned the water into this check, and the water was there. And, 
they were walking along the levees, the edge of one, and, and in one place, I don't know if it was a gopher or what it was, but they got there too late. And sometimes if there's just kind of an opening, you can just quick throw some dirt in there and stop it. But if the thing's too wide, there's really not a lot you can do. I mean, that water, I don't know if you ever tried to throw a shovel full of dirt into mad water, but it doesn't do a whole lot. It just kind of, it's gone. And so what we do when we have a situation like that out there, we have what we call a tap. It's about this wide, just a piece of metal, kind of a handle across the top and just, just flat down like that. And we just take that thing and we got a leak like that. We just, just push it right down on the leak and shut the thing off right there. I mean, that, that's just the way we do it. And then you can throw dirt up behind it and then you can take the tap out and you fix the levee. Well, Twyla and her father didn't have a tap. And so... Something had to be done. And her dad looked down at her and he said, Twyla, lay down. She, she says, Dad, lay down. It's me, Twyla. What do you mean? You know, Twyla, lay down. And she lay down in the mud. She lay down where the tap would have been. And her father began to throw dirt. At her, and she lay there until the levee was built back up, and she could get up. Brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus Christ did for us. He laid down in our muck. He laid down in our great need. We threw dirt at him. He became sin for us. That's making up. It's standing in the gap. Have you ever done that for someone else? Laid down in their muck. Took the tongue lashings that were coming someone else's way upon yourself. And stayed there until the wound was mended and you could rise. God loves gap standards. God loves people who are willing to make up the hedge. On behalf of someone else, this is compassion. This is seeing someone else's need with a passionate heart that's anxious to enter into someone else's need and fill that great need. Do we have that here at Zion Fellowship? Are you known for it? It's a witness in the kingdom of God that right theology and lots of these things can't have, and they're so important, so I'm not putting these things down, but the witness of love and compassion one for another is just a marvelous thing. <clears throat> another scripture that I want to read here is Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 9. I want to read this verse. This is connected with the thought of the Lord pleading before he brings judgment. And here again, <clears throat> there's wickedness, there's judgment coming, but listen to this. I'll read the verse before again. The priest said, not, where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. 
I mean, it was just a bad situation. But look what happened. Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. I like this verse. I'll tell you why. Because I'm not only a father, I'm a grandfather. And God says, I will yet plead with you, and with your children's children will I plead. I tell you, I want God to plead with my children and with my grandchildren when I'm gone. Don't you? That's God. We can trust God. We don't always have to be here and the one doing it. God does use us while we're here. But God says, I will rise up and plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. And when God pleads with his people, he pleads with bowels of compassion. He does. Bowels of mercies. All through the Gospels, over and over again, Jesus was moved with compassion. He had compassion on the multitude. He had compassion on the leper. He had compassion and fed the hungry. He brought healing to the sick. He had compassion and forgave their sins. He had compassion and died on the cross. And he wants us to have that same compassion for each other. Not only for the lost. And we need compassion there. You know, that's the compassion that Christ had. You know, the lost might really mistreat you. They, they might ridicule you. They might make fun of you. They might hurt you. They might do damage to your life. How do you respond to them? In anger? No, we feel sorry for them. We pity them. We make a choice in the light of eternity. This is compassion. You don't bring revenge upon them. That's God's job if he so chooses. But we intercede on their behalf. It's, it's the witness of compassion. And I tell you, when we bring this into our relationships at home, it's just a marvelous thing. I'm going to read a few verses now in the New Testament. I can tell you what they are. Here's I turn Philippians 1.8. You don't need to turn here. I'm just going to read these to you. I want you to just hear that God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is a, this is a good example because this isn't Christ. This is the heart of the Apostle Paul. So it shows us that this can happen. Is this a pastor's heart for the flock? Is this a father's heart for the family? God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. And in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. This, this thing goes deep. And we went through this verse the other night, that we would be like-minded, perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. When, the, when this compassion and love gets deep enough and like-minded with God enough, it does marvelous things in any relationship. And we need that. God is calling us to that. <clears throat> I want to read in 1 John there's a beautiful passage here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 
uh, through 18 goes like this. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. See the heart of God here? It's, it's beautiful what He did for us, but it's His will that we pass it on. I ought to read that verse again. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, that's serious thing there. Laying down your life. You know, and sometimes I think we'd almost be willing to do that and just go ahead and die for somebody, but it's a little bit harder to go ahead and stay, stay alive and lay down your life, if you know what I mean. I mean, just kind of like give everything you have out of compassion and pity to come alongside and be a blessing. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? And so there we have it. You know, I mean, this didn't take laying down your life. This just took opening your storehouse to your brother. Sometimes, it's, sometimes it would literally be easier for some people to die than to do this. But if you have compassion, it's a beautiful picture. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.32 teaches us that when we have compassion, we speak kindly. We listen closely. We have a soft answer. We're ready to help. We're ready to, to forgive. That compassion is a relationship builder. It's a powerful thing, brothers and sisters and youth, both in the heart of the one who bestows it and it brings life to the heart of the one who receives it. You both win tremendously. It's a relationship builder. I'm going to read a couple more scriptures and then I'm going to close here. But in Isaiah chapter 40, I want to read a little passage there. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. I've read that verse before and I just thought, you know, boy, that, that kind of fits some of the church work we have to do. We're just going to have to get a hold of this thing. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. And we just think we're going to rise up and get this thing done. And I'm just going to read you the next verse now this thing gets done. Here it is. Oh, I'm going to read that verse again and go right into the next one. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His work before Him. He shall feed His flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with His arm, and carry them in His bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. And then it just goes on to just tell about the greatness of our God. He holds the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hands. Think of all the oceans worldwide. Just, just a little bit of water here in the hollow of his hands. This is a great God. But his reward is with him. And his work is before him. And he operates gently. It's a picture and a pattern for us. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 15, which is the story of the prodigal son... <clears throat> want to look at a little 
insight here that I, I love. I love this story. <clears throat> In chapter 15, verse 20, when the son had been away, he was in the hog pens and he was coming home. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Isn't that something? Now, I, now, uppermost in many people's minds is that now he's wasted my whole living with riotous living. I mean, there was plenty of things that the father could have been thinking about that were very, very negative and very, very just and very, very punishable. Whoa, here he comes. <laughs> I knew he'd be coming back. Well, he's going to get it now. This is kind of the mentality that many of the world around us thinks, but we see this kind of thinking in the kingdom of God. And it's not the heart of God. What does God say? His father saw him great way off. Well, that tells you a lot right there about how he was looking for him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It's just a beautiful picture. It's what compassion will do, even upon someone with such tremendous need as the prodigal son. One more in Matthew 18. I don't even think I'm going to turn there. We know the story of the Lord that this servant owed so much money. And it says he had compassion on him and forgave him the whole debt. It, it was a, a great debt. I'm not sure what the dollar amount was, but it was tremendous. And he just forgave him the debt. It says he had compassion on him. He saw his need. He, he felt sorry for him and his need. I just release you of the debt. And you know the story about how that servant went out and he did not have compassion on his fellow servant. And think of the judgment that came to that man. And so I want to leave us with this thought, and it's somewhat of a warning. But God has had that much compassion upon us. And if we don't pass that compassion on to each other, don't think that we'll get away with no judgment that that servant had. There's a call of God upon our hearts to love one another sincerely. I want to close by giving you some homework. <clears throat> I just want you to take this home and practice. Practice on your wife when she maybe makes a mistake. Practice on your son like the father of the prodigal. You, you know what we say when, when we're not real good? I mean, I, I, I've... I've tried to do a lot of things in the past and it seemed like I, I wasn't real adept at it and what I said to people is that I just need to practice. <clears throat> we just need to practice here, brothers and sisters. We may not be real good at this, but I want to encourage you youth, children, practice this kind of compassion on your younger brother and sister. Why don't you just pick up your younger brother and, and just say, uh, you know, Sarah, why don't you go get a Bible story and I'll read you a Bible story. And you just take that 
little sister of yours up on your lap and you read that story like God would read that story to that child and throw in a little few words of admonition. And, uh, you know, chances are Sarah's going to find another Bible storybook real quick. But younger children, practice on your older. We need practice. Practical practice right in our homes. I just want to encourage you. Practice at home. Practice in your marriage. Practice at church. Practice in the workplace. This is God. And He wants us to be like Him. That's the call of God upon us. God bless you. Let's open our songbooks to 175. Jesus, thy boundless love to me. I like this song because I enjoy the ocean. We enjoy being there. and Just all that water out there. I can't comprehend it. But you know, all the water of all the ocean has bounds. And, and the Bible says, which it cannot pass over. There's just bounds for the whole thing. It's all contained. But Jesus, thy boundless love to me. And so we have reason to rejoice. Why don't we stand and let's sing with our hearts. Let's just lift our voices in praise and look forward to going home and practicing this great love upon each other. <clears throat> let's sing with our hearts. Jesus, thy boundless love to me, no thought can reach, no tongue declare, unite my thankful heart to thee, and reign without a rival there, thine hope, thine alone I am, my soul with constant love aflame. Thy love, how cheering is its rape. All pain before its presence flies. Care, anguish, sorrow, melt. Amen. Wherever its healing beams arise. For Jesus, nothing. Can come 
Father, thank you so much for your boundless love to us. May we pass it on. All of these things we were singing about, Father, are so exciting to think about taking them home. Give us the grace of God. Give us the wonder of the grace of God to really take it home and make it happen. What a joyful anticipation of what you will do. Thank you for this time together. Bless each heart and soul that's been here. And we pray, Father, that you would be jealous over us in this place. We believe that you brought us together here to give us a word from your heart. And we pray that we would receive it faithful. I pray that it would land on fertile soil and bring forth 30 and some 60 and some 100 fold, God. We pray that you would have liberty in our midst to move, God, and mend the broken heart and draw the wandering soul and stir the confused heart. We pray, Father, draw us to yourself. In the presence of God is fullness of joy, Father, and we desire to experience it all. We pray that your love would be in our hearts, in us, and that we could pass it on and that we could rejoice together.